Hey listener, today's guest is Sarah, an outstanding animation student who also produces a warm princess story called The Princess Plot on Webtoon Canvas. This enthralling series is about a princess who wants to experience freedom for just a bit longer ahead of her upcoming marriage to a prince she's never met before, and the princess's maid who finds that pretending to be someone you've known all your life is still not very easy. We have a packed agenda for you today, but previewing the episode, Sarah shares her philosophy on making something you love without thinking too much about numbers, the notable evolution of her art style within the series, why comics don't necessarily need dialogue to tell a good story, and the future of the series as she enters her final year as an animation major in uni. Here's Sarah. Hey Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We are really excited to have you and to talk about the princess plot. Why don't you start by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Sarah. I am a current full-time animation student. I'm going into my senior year and I'm a Webtoon Canvas creator um, where I'm publishing my current series, which is titled The Princess Plot. So what made you uh, get into sort of animation as your study for school? So I've always loved drawing and doodling as a kid, and I would fill up notebooks with lots of scribbling. And so I guess it really started as more of an interest in art in general. I took art lessons for a while, which included um, painting and like more formal techniques, although I did not really enjoy that. And then my push to digital art really came from doing fan art. Um, and just wanting to draw what I loved. And that included Disney characters and Pokemon as a kid. And, you know, this whole Disney obsession became uh, me wanting to do um, animation because my dream as a kid was, oh, it'd be so cool if I could uh, become a Disney animator. Um, So yeah, so I decided to study animation. I took summer courses and got my start to animation uh, while I was in high school. And yeah, so I'm studying 2D animation currently in college, and I have a special interest in doing characters, so character design, as well as character animation, um, as well as story building. So there's a lot of different things that you can focus on when you study animation. What drew you to character design in particular? Honestly, my kind of my journey in animation was not very linear at all. I actually originally wanted to do 3D animation. The only reason that I didn't do it was because I do not enjoy like the software part of it and the 3D animation courses you have to create and like model and rig your own characters and it's super technical and while I love pure 3D animation, like just puppeting the, the, the figures around, it's really hard for me to do the rest of it. And so I was kind of like, okay, I'm just going to study 2D animation because that at least gives me a foundation for um, animation principles in general. And, you know, if I want to learn the, the, the actual software later on, then I can do that. Um, and I already have a basic mm-hmm. knowledge of 2D animation. And then the character design interest as well as storyboarding, I've always really loved drawing characters and just creating characters. I guess my interest in it kind of came from that I was good at it. And so I was like, okay, I could pursue this. Um, And it's really fun. I really like kind of just seeing what I can create and pushing character design. In terms of your art style, how would you describe it? My art style, I think it's really interesting because, uh, and it's visible in my comic that it changes a bit but not only because of my improvement as an artist, but also just because I think I'm getting 
uh, a little bit better at controlling my art style in different ways. So I can, mm. I know how to do more realistic. I know how to do more cartoony. Um, and I'm always trying to strive to have a really broad range because I think that's really important, especially in terms of character design. So I think I would, I would say fluid um, in how it looks. I really like, you know, achieving fluidness in my characters but then also being able to switch between those various art styles I'm I've always seen art style inconsistency as a little bit of a bad thing but I think mm. I'm starting to see it like as a, as a strength that I'm able to switch between those becoming an animator is incredibly demanding as it is what yes. made you go into uh, webtoons and creating our own webtoon well, for one, animation and comics actually have a lot more in, co in common than I thought they would, um, especially going into it, um, because before I started doing uh, Webtoon, I really had no, uh, no experience at all um, with comics. The actual like push to get into making the princess plot, um, it's actually not something that I've told very many people, but I'll talk about it here. Um, I started publishing uh, the comic in July in, of 2021 um, and about a month before it I actually was rejected from Webtoon for an intern position mm. um, it's actually so it's a bit ironic but since I had already at that point been so interested in Webtoon at the time I decided that I'd finally try and make my own comic and so it was a bit of a backwards push um, that rejection yeah and so since I'd been reading on Webtoon for much longer than that it's also always been something on the back of my mind um, because it is just another format of storytelling like animation is. So I just decided to finally try it. So let's talk a little bit about the princess plot and how you came up with the idea. You know, in your Q&A on Webtoon, you talk about your love for cliche princess fairy tales, hidden identities. So it seems like this is a theme that you've always enjoyed. But can you talk a little bit about how you came up with the story and the the kind of idea for the princess plot? Yeah. So like I mentioned before that I had a lot of ideas for web comics. I'm actually a person that likes to spend a lot of time planning stories and doing world building and character work before I jump into big projects. Um, but for the case of the princess plot, I actually kind of forced myself to not get caught up in those details because a lot of times I would, you know, get hung up and doing, oh, I have to do character sheets, I have to do turnarounds and expressions. And then all of that work, you know, you kind of get exhausted after a while, and then you don't see anything that comes out of that. Um, so the Princess Plot kind of grew out of nothing. I literally thought to myself, I was like, I like fantasy, I like romance, I like hidden and mistaken identities, so all those things, I'm just going to combine that into a story. And that is literally what I got out of it. And so I did do some outlining, but I did it really quickly, at least in my standards, again, so that I wouldn't get caught up in the details. Um, and that actually really helped me to just get over that initial hurdle, which was even creating it. Um, and so then I just jumped right into it and started publishing. So you, you talk about this, I don't want to get too stuck into something. Is the main reason behind that, that you just want to like start publishing and get into a routine of putting something out there? Or why did you, I'm sure you have a lot of kind of perfectionist tendencies as well. <laughs> you, um, was that something you were trying to fight just so you can get the webtoon out there to begin with? Yeah, in sorts, uh, definitely the perfectionist tendencies is definitely evident in my artwork, I'd say. Um, but I think it's also just because I had never done anything like webcomics before, it was a little bit of this 
idea of like, okay, I've never done this before. I need to fully prepare. Like I need to uh, watch tutorial videos. I need to figure out how to use the software. I need to do this and this. And it was sort of like all these, uh, I guess it was, I was making excuses and saying like, oh, I, I can't make it because I don't know how to. So forcing myself to kind of forget all of that and just learn as I made it was really what made me able to keep going and keep publishing. And what's your process for coming up with characters? Because that can be really tricky for uh, individuals. And obviously you mentioned you know, earlier when it comes to animations, it's like characters and characters design that you like and everyone's process is a little different. So how do you come up with realistic characters? My characters, I think I, I put a lot of myself into them. And so it's like a, a bit of a mix of creating them to serve the plot, um, mm. as well as giving them personalities that I am sort of familiar with so that it's a little mm. bit easier to write them. So my characters, it's I didn't have like any particular inspirations or anything. Thing. They were just, you know, at first created to fill their roles in the story. You know, I had my original story idea where I need a princess, I need a maid, I need a prince, right? It was very, mm -hmm. very rudimentary. And then when I was writing the story and I, when I was figuring out the events that I wanted to take place, I sort of worked backwards a few times where I want this specific scene or this plot point to take place. And so in order for this to happen, then a certain character has to have this certain personality trait to react accordingly. Mm. Um, so it's sometimes a bit of working backwards. And then also it's a bit of uh, the characters just driving the story themselves. Uh, I feel like sometimes they control the story more than I do just because, I don't know, I, I have a lot of fun writing them and they just kind of take control sometimes. And what sort of audience or reader did you make uh, the princess plot for? Did you have someone or some type of person in mind? I never had a specific audience in mind when I say that the story is largely self-indulgence because it's is almost literally just for me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to make something that I really loved because that's the way if if I make something I love, I know I will want to work on it. Um, and so because it was just really, you know, checking off boxes of every trope or every like type of character that I really enjoy, um, I never actually expected to have a lot of people um, also enjoy it, especially when it was something that felt so personally catered to myself. Um, but I think it really just shows that, you know, when you make what you love, you naturally put in a lot of passion and time and energy into it. And then that audience just kind of gradually follows. Um, and that if you enjoy it, there will always be other people, maybe more than you think, who will also enjoy it. One, one thing I wanted to pick your brain out on with the characters, you know, Alina, Mia, Kieran, how did you come up with the names for, for your characters? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I am a big proponent of the baby names websites. <laughs> and I do this actually for a lot of my characters. At least for fantasy, I don't like to give them very, very specific like racial backgrounds or anything because it is hard to say or, or to like relate that to a fantasy setting. I think, mm. I think representation is important, but it's a bit different when it comes to fantasy and when it comes to me writing my own you know, kingdoms or nations. Mm. Um, so I sort of strive for a blend of different characters. And mm. so specifically for Mia, she is an Asian character. I am an Asian American creator. So I do 
put a lot of Asian characters into my story. Mm. And so I think some of those names followed from like popular, I don't know, popular Asian baby names or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, what about the last names? Because I noticed, you know, at the end of certain chapters, you'll have a little bio. I always love when people do that. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, and you do introduce at least, you know, obviously this is a fantasy world, but last names from different cultures. Was that a very intentional choice on your end too? speaking to that theme of representation is important, um, but you also want to create this fantasy element. So how did you think through the last names? Yeah, that's a good question because you're right about the representation part and that a lot of, or a few of the characters that I want to that I have a certain image in mind of in terms of representation I have chosen last names that at least like you know in our world reflect um, certain ethnic groups or nationalities but as for sort of figuring that out I don't know it's sometimes it's it's like fantasy generators right I use a lot of generators just because it's easier it's less time consuming I don't know I a lot of them are um, I chose like for for like my royalty characters, I did do some research into like more European names just because it is a more European fantasy mm-hmm. as you know, a lot of princess fairy tale types uh, are written because that's where I'm taking my inspiration from. I'm not sort of taking it from any specific culture and I don't mm-hmm. want to you know, I don't want to say it is from any specific culture because that's just not true. So, yeah, so it's a bit of a, a mix of both the real world and trying to work in um, representation as well as just keeping that fairy tale aspect. It's a it's a bit of a tricky balance at times. Um, sometimes I can't even figure out, like, should this character be, you know, have have a last name that's like noticeably you know a little bit different than like these European ones so it is a bit tricky I would say yeah I've I've really uh, enjoyed it it reminded me a little bit of I haven't seen like too much Bridgerton but it reminds me of like yeah. you know <laughs> taking the setting where you see a certain type of character usually and then you know kind of modernizing it with what you see a bit more in the world today so I've I really really enjoyed that um, you know well done to you thank uh, you another thing that you you poke a little bit of fun at, uh, at yourself with this art style shift um, and I was just flying through the story that I was like oh my gosh it is like very apparent yeah, it's when you, huge. Like, it. um, but, but I was just flying through it so I didn't I didn't even really notice when it kind of shifts but can you talk a little bit about you know why why you were like okay I need to change and evolve the art style a little bit here yeah so I think the reason why the the style shift maybe isn't as apparent to some of my readers especially if you're reading it um, quickly from the beginning and then all the way to up until now um, is because it's mostly a reflection of my actual growth as an artist. I took about a four month break uh, last year when I went back to school in the fall. Um, and mm-hmm. then when I came back to it, all the drawing that I had done from schoolwork meant that I kind of had a better eye for what I was drawing. And so then, you know, I was able to kind of shift that accordingly. I also think the style kind of shifted because I was still figuring out what I wanted it to look like. So you'll notice that my early chapters are very short compared to now. I mean, they're getting really long, which is Mm -hmm. another topic in itself. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But because they were so short, I didn't really give myself uh, the chance to explore, I think, different stylistic options. And then, Mm -hmm. like I said, because I really didn't do much planning and I didn't make character sheets 
or guides. I just really didn't know what style I wanted. And, you know, I've had a few readers ask if I could share character sheets. And I honestly, I can't say yes, because I don't even have any. So because I literally jumped into it with only a few, uh, with a few rough sketches of the characters. And so now, now that I sort of have more experience, now that I am more comfortable drawing my characters, I think it's a little bit more stable. And I've kind of headed in the direction that I'm more comfortable with. You mentioned a little bit, you know, about the episode length. What you do as a creator is is super impressive because, you know, getting to 40 panels a week, we've talked to folks who do that both on the canvas side and obviously, you know, originals artists are doing 40 or more panels a week. It's incredibly difficult to pull that off. So with your schedule, how did you arrive at, you know what, I'm going to do 40 panels a week? Honestly, the... I, I never think about panels and maybe mm-hmm. it's because I'm not, you know, I'm not a contracted originals creator, so I don't have to hit a certain number of panels. I'm setting my own um, length. I'm setting my own uh, update schedule. So the reason that the chapters sort of got gradually longer and that the updates are getting a bit long is mo- <laughs> mostly because it's mostly because I, my writing is just getting longer and I just am trying to fit more in again like I said the characters drive the story sometimes they're talking and I can't like it sounds so strange but I cannot get them to stop talking you know like I have (laughs) to let this play out and I really want to touch on certain topics or I want to really get an idea across so then it kind of naturally becomes longer um Mm. I I would like to keep it short because of my sanity, because of my own um, workload. But at the same time, I really do want to deliver a good story. And I'm, and I think I'm okay with, you know, taking a little bit more time, a little bit more effort to make it longer if I need to. And also I am currently on summer break right now. So I do have that time to mm. actually put in Princess Plot's kind of like my summer job. So. <laughs> By the way, I am not at all saying that you should make them shorter. If you need to make them shorter to, <laughs> to kind of ba- balance your schedule, I'm supportive of that. But I don't want angry readers coming after me saying that <laughs> you're convincing me to make it shorter. So that's not at all what we're trying to do here. Um, but you talk about chapter 19. At the end of that chapter, you say, you know, I've wanted to share this moment for so long. I guess we'll, I, I'll warn everyone, there's a little bit of uh, of a spoiler here. But you talk about this as your favorite chapter. Like, Do you mind going into why you wanted to share this moment so much? Yeah. So when I write, I like to have, or actually it's more that I have certain scenes in my mind and I'm like, okay, I want this to happen. So how do I work up to it? Mm -hmm. And so this chapter specifically, I think I just like it because in terms of cliches, it's got like one of my favorite romantic fantasy cliches, which is (laughs) having a ball only to escape the ball (laughs) (laughs) for a more private (laughs) setting. Something about it. I don't know. I, I, I'm a big fan of having, you know, a huge grand party, but then most of the action happens outside of it. Mm-hmm. And then I also think personally that how I see it is that the communication between uh, the characters, between Mia and the prince, Prince Kieran, um, I think the communication within the chapter is really important to the story. I think it's also like a kind of a turning point chapter, um, like a marker of like this growing friendship between them. You know, even though they said they would be friends in a previous chapter, I think from 19 onwards is when it really starts to show in the story. Um, mm-hmm. And I personally just really enjoy their dynamic and writing their dynamic. Yeah, I also like um, just like 
all the scenes where are the panels rather you just have them blushing it's just like <laughs> you just it just it just comes through the screen i i've really really enjoyed it and you <laughs> i like how you kind of tell a lot even without much dialogue is that something you've worked on and that you've picked up because obviously in animation a big thing that i'm guessing you think about is you know how, how do you kind of show then then having folks tell things through dialogue is that something you think about consciously yeah definitely I do put that in there because as you as you mentioned um, in animation that's really important and that's been stressed to me so much especially because a lot of the times I am working at least in terms of animation I'm working um, in a non-dialogue uh, setting um, mm -hmm. so a lot of it is told through character acting and through staging alone and I think the more that I work on my comic the more that I'm seeing like you know these similarities between animation between storyboarding and character animation with comics um, and that how those are applicable and so yeah so I'm just starting to become more natural for me to just throw in those panels that have no dialogue and just are very driven by the characters themselves because I think those are you know just as important as uh, dialogue heavy ones and even though dialogue tells a lot of information especially for exposition and for you know general communication between the characters um, I think that, you know, the silent panels also tell a lot about, you know, how they're feeling, you know, maybe they don't even say it themselves, but you can read it between the lines, I guess, and just see it in the drawing itself. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to touch on uh, about your, the story itself, um, you know, you talk a lot about representation. Um, you have a lot of LGBTQ plus representation within the story as well. I know you also kind of call out and, and you know, it you said, if, if you don't want this type of story, like, please go follow another story that, yeah. you know, you're creating a very specific kind of environment here. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, that sort of representation and what it means to you? Because another thing I've enjoyed about your comment is like, you look at your comments and you see your fans and how much they enjoy it and the little things that they pick up that, you know, you leave for them. So yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that side of representation as well and what it means to you? Yeah, definitely. So my main character, Mia, is bisexual and it is not a secret. And so this the story of the Princess Pot, it has really become a place for me to really explore bisexuality and uh, like my own bisexuality. Um, for the story itself, Mia has both, you know, possible male and female love interests. Um, and it's become like my safe place I guess I, like mm. when I say that it's self-indulgent it's also in this in this way um mm. where I'm talking about queerness and I'm talking about bisexuality um so it's you know it's my safe my safe spot for me to say it's okay to like both you know here's a character that's just existing that's you know like me um and I'm really glad a lot of people can relate to that and see themselves in the story and in Mia and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to send, you know, political messages or anything. It's more of a story where, you know, queer people can just exist um, and just have stories rather than their entire story being about, you know, coming out or dealing with homophobia, um, because I think those are important as well. But it's also just important that, you know, that we have spaces where we're allowed to exist and it's become an escapist fantasy um, and yeah, like I said, I just want it to be like a very safe, wholesome and welcoming place for myself and for my readers who are, you know, who are always commenting that they find themselves in it. I think it's really touching and I'm really glad that they do. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to just watch that environment come to life. And credit to you for for creating a space like this because it's not easy to create something like that that people love. Um, and it's it's been fun to read and be a part of that space as well. So uh, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, one other thing. You've been doing this for a year now. You've had you have over ten thousand subscribers. Can you talk a little bit about you know what you expected when you put episode one out there versus where you are now? How does it yeah. feel to have gotten such a big audience? Yeah. So, like I said, since it was for me, I really did not ex- expect anything. So, because I've shared original characters and small comics online before, um, but really ne- never anything complex or long term, and I've also I started a bit as a fan artist, right? And so, you know, every now and then I do a piece of fan art that would go viral within the fandom and like, that's awesome. (laughs) But having people care about your own original story and your own characters, it feels a lot different. Um, And for me, there's just, there's, I always have so much excitement in seeing my subscriber count and my comments um, because (laughs) it, it still to me sometimes feels like these characters only exist in my head. So the fact that other people are really relating to them and are enjoying the story is a bit surreal to me, even now, (laughs) even though it's been over a year, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's just really proof that, you know, I'm, I love creating it. And so that's why other people love it as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really rewarding just seeing people that I don't even know leave so many comments and tell me that they enjoy it since I started publishing it. And then up until now, we're going to make things a little bit more surreal on your podcast debut. You have fan questions and we love doing this because you see how excited people are to ask you questions. So we got three for you. The first one is from Mike's 16. Who's the character that you relate to the most? Yeah, so I mentioned this a little bit. I like to put a little bit of myself into a lot of my characters um, because then they're more familiar for me to write and to work with. And I think that also makes them a bit more relatable if they are more realistic. Um, The characters uh, that I I guess I put most of myself into are definitely uh, Kieran and Mia. Mm. They both have bits of my personality in them. So there are definitely instances um, where they will, you know, react to something or say something where I, where I just really relate to them. And that's mostly me speaking to the character. Uh, the second question is from uh, Krishna Ramani, and it's, how do you do the world building specifically for TPP? Yeah. Um, so the Princess Plot, again, has very little world, world building. I only really do that. I only uh, kind of flesh out the world more if the plot needs it. Mm. So for example, I know that I needed a way for Mia to be able to take Alina's place without anyone in the other kingdom recognizing her that she's not the real princess. So I just kind of threw in quote unquote world building to say that, you know, the two kingdoms don't have much contact with one another therefore no one has met her knows what she looks like um so world building is kind of at least for this story is done as I go along and it only I mean it happens as I need it to in order to serve the plot and to further progress the plot last one is from Megs Chung and what is your creative process when writing the plot and character backgrounds and uh, designing the characters. I know you talked a little bit about this, but is there anything else that you may want to add here? Um, yeah, I I guess I don't really have much of a process, at least for writing. Um, I usually just, uh, I either like sit down and write or I just will have ideas come to me and I'll just make sure I pull out my notes app and write them down. 
Um, again, for the plot, I have certain events and major plot points that I know I want to happen and that I've always known that I want to happen. Um, and a lot of those are just like cemented into the story. So they're sort of my anchor points. Um, and then I just try and figure out what happens in between and, you know, how that leads up to a specific scene. And then when writing characters, it is a little bit more ambiguous um, and less straightforward. Um, again, like the world building, sometimes I add things to their character backgrounds, specifically just to serve the plot. Um, so again, like an example, Mia grew up in the palace as a servant because it helps, you know, with the believability that she would be able to function in a similar environment of the other palace while pretending to be the princess. Um, so it serves her character, but then it also serves the plot. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, a lot of times the characters drive the story more than I do. Um, so that means that, you know, I write them and I write their personalities, but then because of the ways that they would react to certain situations or that they would uh, act, um, then I have to, you know, sometimes go back and adjust my overall uh, story plot outline to fit those changes. So it is a very fluid and it's a changing process. Hmm. Uh, one other question in terms of uh, learnings, things that you've learned throughout this process, like, can you share a little bit about like what you've learned just by doing and putting a webtoon out there? You know, it's one thing for you to watch tutorials on how to do things. It's another to actually, you know, put yourself out there and put a story out there. So what do you think your three biggest learnings have been for putting a webtoon together? Well, first off, as I've mentioned a few times already that, you know, just do something that you love. It'll, it'll pay off. It'll make you want to create more. Definitely. I've, it's been for me seeing that this is really just a passion project and seeing how well it's done. It's just been very encouraging to, for me to continue to pursue doing what I love. Um, second, I'd say that <laughs> for webtoons, people read those things so fast. Um, mm. And I put a lot of time and effort and I think, you know, it shows in the artwork and I'm always very, very appreciative to uh, my readers who will comment like things like, oh, I really love the art in this episode because, you know, that, that makes me happy that they're, they're looking at the artwork and not just, you know, scrolling, scrolling, looking for dialogue mm. and then scrolling. Um, but it is a little bit of a, you know, you have to learn how to manage your time and you have to sometimes let small things go. I definitely have lots of panels that I'm like, okay, this face looks a bit wonky, but I don't have the time nor energy to sit mm -hmm. and fix it. Um, and people are only going to look for two seconds and I know I'm my biggest critic. So just taking that and, you know, just allowing myself to say, okay, um, it's fine. We're, we're going to move on. And then the third thing is just really using my resources. I use Clip Studio Paint. I love Clip Studio Paint. I've downloaded so many brushes and, you know, they've helped so much. And I think there's always this bit of fear that using references is considered cheating, um, especially in newer, uh, newer artists. But I think the more that I've created, the more I've learned that, you know, it's, it's not it's not cheating. It's, it's using your resources. It's working smarter, not harder, um, you know, using 3d models and everything like that. It, if it helps you, I think you should put it in your process, especially for something like a web comic where it's so time involving and it's, uh, so much work. Kind of switching gears a little bit, supporting yourself as an artist is really difficult. And there's kind of two different themes I want to talk about here. The first one is just keeping up with the workload. Now, you know, most Canvas creators, 
they have something else that requires their full-time attention, whether it's a job, whether it's school, you know, they're not just focusing on their canvas story uh, in most cases. So what has it been like for you to juggle both of these things? And do you have any things that you do to kind of take care of yourself and give the space that you need to recover um, in between creating episodes? Yeah. Um, so I am a full-time student, but my comic has become, uh, you know, my summer activity. Um, so, <laughs> it, and it started that way when one year ago, when I launched the series and it's currently still like that. Um, and that's why I'm able to do long weekly updates because I'm not in school. I'm not really doing much else. So that is basically my main focus. And then while I'm in school, I previously, I tried to work on updates slowly in my free time. But, you know, as a few of my readers know, because a few of them following along since, since the beginning, is that I did put the comic on pause for an entire four months last fall, just because I did not have the time to work on it. So for me, honestly, it's a little bit less of juggling and more of like, okay, I'm focusing on one thing at a time. Um, But, you know, sometimes being able to make those calls and saying, okay, I know I need to put this on hold is really hard because I don't want to stop working on it. I know that my readers don't want me to stop working on it. Um, But, you know, for my own well-being, for my own mental sanity, I have to. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I know when I went back, when I was in school uh, in my spring 2022 semester, Um, My updates were still pretty infrequent, but I had a little bit more time to work on it, you know, very slowly. And what I would do is that if I had extra time, I would just give myself like, okay, maybe three hours at the end of the day to just work on um, whatever part that I uh, was working on. Um, And then it would slowly, usually over a month would come together. So yeah, again, the weekly publishing schedule is kind of a... Yeah. It's kind of a blessing <laughs> because I will not be able to keep that up. Um, definitely not when I go back to school. And just managing that um, in terms of taking breaks, I've started doing a new system, at least this summer, where I make a massive single chapter. And the reason why they're so long is just because I've been writing them really long because, again, the, the characters are driving it and the plot is getting a little bit more involved and I want more things to happen. So they are getting a lot longer, but because they're getting a lot longer, what I've been doing is that I've been able to knock out one of those really long chapters in like a week and a half. And then I will split Mm. that chapter in half. um, And then, um, and then I'll I'll queue them for updates weekly. Um, And then this system has definitely allowed me to work you know, more like an originals creator where they have finished episodes that they're sort of sitting on and they're ready to be published. Um, and then while they're working on future updates. And for me, this this works really well because then I have the stockpile of updates ready. Um, and then I feel a little bit less rushed to work and I'm able to take longer breaks in between updates and avoid overworking myself. One very wholesome thing that I saw is you, you put a poll to your uh, readers on Webtoon and you're like, do you want shorter updates, more frequent, or do you want longer updates, less frequent, or do you not care and you just want updates? And they're like, we, we love whatever you do. And I was like, yeah. this is perfect. This is literally why we're on Webtoon. Yeah, so. it, was, it was really nice to see that. I'm really glad that people feel that way. But also at the same time, I remember looking at that and I was like, the reason why I asked this is because I need someone to, do- to decide for me <laughs> because I don't even know. Um, but yeah, but then I ended up doing weekly and I think it's been working out pretty well. So. 
And then uh, in terms of kind of making money and supporting yourself that way, so you're a student now, um, you know, how do you think about that in the future? I saw that you have some amazing Haikyuu stickers on uh, Redbubble. <laughs> so like, you've already like kind of started doing this a little bit, but you know, how do you think about supporting yourself in the, in the future? Um, yeah, so currently I have viewer ads turned on for my series, um, which means I get a small bit of revenue for when, you know, readers finish a chapter because there's an ad placed at the very end. Um, it's not a lot. And sometimes I get bonus revenue as well from Webtoon, depending on my engagement numbers. But again, it's not a lot because it is sort of a side thing. In terms of like merch and Patreon, I would, I would love to do that. Um, definitely, if I did comics more full time, I, after I graduate, that would definitely be an option that I would look more into. Um, currently, for me, my merch uh, is just my Redbubble store. And that's just sort of like a, an off thing where it's it's so easy because you can just upload it one time and then you just kind of sit in its passive income um so yeah but you know I would love to do that for uh my comics and for my original work as well um especially a patreon because I think having uh that community as well on patreon is really is a really good there's a really nice thing to have and to have readers who are you know, subscribe so that they can receive more, more content behind a paywall. But um, mm. then it, it kind of builds my, uh, I don't want to say fan base, but I guess fan base a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to read you a comment that that we found. It says, hi, you probably hear this a lot, but reading the princess plot always manages to bring a smile to my face. A while back before I discovered your comic, I was dealing with an eating disorder and I was stressed while attending school and from the body standards, uh, which caused my ED. While recovering, I discovered the princess plot. It always made me cheer up and laugh. I would sometimes read your comics while eating my meals. I'm now fully recovered and have a good relationship with food with a little smiley emoji at the end. I mean, when you started this journey, did you could you have ever imagined that this was the type of impact that oh you would God. have? Not at all. Um, I remember getting this comment and I do read every single comment that I get. And this <laughs> one made me so emotional because it's, it's so surreal, right? To have even enough of a following for me to say that it's a fan base. It, it will always, always shock me to see the amount of likes and comments that I get within just 24 hours of posting an update. And I'm just, you know, I'm definitely really think that without having that many people to support me, I don't think I would have been as motivated as I have been and as I am to continue working on it and to keep putting in so much time and effort. You know, and the fact that so many people care about the characters in the story, it just really makes me want to deliver something that my readers can enjoy. Um, and it's sort of like, I feel a lot more encouraged to make something that's worthy of having so much attention and so much love. So what is in store for your future? Obviously, you're probably like, oh, I need to finish school. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. But what are all the types of different types of things that you want to do with your future? Yeah, about school. <laughs> by, the time, <laughs> by the time that this episode gets published, I will have announced a hiatus, unfortunately, because I will not have the time to work on it while I'm being a full-time student, especially because mm -hmm. this is my final year. Um, and as an animation student, I'll be really busy working on my personal short film, which is really cool. I'm oh, really wow. excited about it. It's going to be yeah. so much work. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, that does mean I will not have any time and I'll have to put the comic on pause. 
Um, and so because I am graduating, it is, you know, a bit unclear what the future is. I, at least in comics, um, because I might get a job in animation. I might not. We'll have to see, you know, when that happens. I don't want to give up on comics though. I, you know, this journey has really shown me that it is another pathway for me, something that I sort of never realized. And then once I started doing it, I was like, okay, I actually really enjoy doing this. And it's, you know, a viable option in the future. Um, yeah, but I would love the opportunity to work maybe, you know, more formally for Webtoon, whether that's like an editing position or if I like somehow miraculously get an original series. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I do hope to continue. And I, I really hope that, you know, I can do even more stories in the future. Um, but yeah, whether it ends up being, you know, on the side or if it's might becomes full time for me, it's definitely very up in the air and we'll have to see, unfortunately for my readers, we'll have to see what the future kind of holds for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll be supporting you, you know, no matter what way your future goes. Thank and you. <laughs> uh, we're really excited. Uh, looking forward to the future. I know you, you know, it's interesting because you get uh, one eye on like the animation industry another in the webtoons industry i guess in the webtoons industry in particular is there anything that you want to see in terms of change and are things evolving yeah so we touched on this a little bit and just the lengths and the amount of work that webtoon creators have yeah. to uh, have to give and i'm sure like a lot of webcomic creators have said it but it's definitely because it needs to be said and that like you know the treatment of artists in the industry it, it it's definitely something that i want to see improved um because currently it is about 50 to 60 panels a week which is a lot um and i'm doing usually about like half of that maybe a little bit more than half of that uh a week um and i can see how much that is and, and especially you know when that's something that's read in less than five minutes it feels you know, it feels overwhelmingly large, right? It's a huge amount mm -hmm. of work. So I definitely think that the industry needs to give creators more time in between updates, um, you know, maybe have updates once every week rather than every single week, or maybe even shorter updates. You know, as, as an avid webtoon reader myself, I know it's like really hard for readers to sometimes go two weeks, even two weeks in between updates. But I do think that for the longevity of a series, it's just a better idea to give artists more time um, than to risk injuring their physical and mental health. That's something that we would love to see as well. I mean, comic artists work so hard. Um, and, you know, it goes back to something that you talked about earlier. I look through and read, you know, a bunch of webtoons and it's incredible how fast I read them oh, versus yeah. <laughs> how long it takes to make. And animation is all, like, I still remember learning Oh, for animation, like people draw every single one of these. I thought it was like absolutely insane, but uh, right. it's incredible what, what you all do. I, I did have a question. How long is your uh, short film supposed to be for your final year project? <laughs> so the official length, I think, is like three to five minutes max. Um, mm. So far, based on my uh, animatic, which I completed last semester, it's over that <laughs> so it's longer um luckily for me I have decided to take less classes so I will be basically working on that full time and so I will hopefully be able to get it done but it is going to be a lot of work especially because it is my personal short film and it is almost exclusively being done by me and that includes rough like everything from rough animation to clean up animation coloring rendering lighting compositing 
all of that stuff. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot. <laughs> Are you ready to uh, wrap things up with our rapid fire round? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm actually going to throw a, a sixth question in here, which I've never done. But oh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You'll be well equipped to handle it, but I'm, right. I'm, I'm dying with curiosity. I'll ask that one last. Okay. First one, which fictional character describe, best describes your personality? I really relate to, or okay, in terms of, I, I'll stay on the animation subject. Um, I really relate to Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, mm -hmm. I love that movie, um, and especially as a metaphor to creatives. Um, I think that Kiki's journey, which is it follows her flying um, as her job to having her uh, rediscover her passion for flying. It's something that really resonates with me. And I've, I've noticed with other artists as well, especially for myself as someone who's trying to trying to do art full time. Um, it's very easy to get frustrated and to forget why you enjoy doing art in the first place. Mm especially when it starts feeling like a chore. So that entire journey that Kiki goes through is just real, something that really resonates with me. Which three webtoons would you take with you on a desert island? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so the three that I think I take are my three all-time favorites. Number one, uh, Seasons of Blossom, which is an adapted Korean webtoon. Mm. I think that the writing is phenomenal. I cannot recommend it enough. It's such an emotional roller coaster. Second one is Romance 101, which is also a Korean webtoon. It's my favorite rom-com genre on webtoon. Um, and it's definitely the series that I reread the most often. And then third one is Brass and Sass by Aunt Lorella. Um, it's so cute. And I just love the writing in it. It's, it covers some pretty difficult topics of growing up, of dealing with, you know, parents and family expectations, as well as mental health issues. Um, but it's done really well and it's super touching and powerful. If you could pick any creator to have dinner with, and you feel free to expand into animation as well, who would it be and why? In terms of comic creators, Instant Miso, which is the creator of uh, Webtoon Original, Siren's Lament, and currently Eternal Nocturnal. Uh, first of all, I just really love both of those series. Um, they are wonderful uh, fantasy worlds uh, that kind of take place in the real world. So. I would love to talk with her, you know, about world building like that. And also just being a comic creator because she's had a lot of experience with it. You know, she's got one completed series on her belt and then she's working on this current one. Um, so I think she would be really great to talk to as sort of like a mentor almost when it comes to doing webcomic. What's your favorite scene from any webtoon? Okay, so currently I am very invested in uh, Philia Rosé, The Prophecy of the Crown of Thorns which is another adapted Korean series. Um, it's really interesting. It's got a really good balance of humor and dark fantasy. And I think my favorite scene from it is this, it's like a doomsday-like scene um, where the main character who can communicate with animals, she uses her power to create an omen from God by filling the sky with hundreds of thousands of crows. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's just such a chilling scene and it's so cinematically done. It's, uh, it's stunning. And it's definitely like a scene that made me gasp out loud while I was reading it. Second to last question. If you could have dinner with a fictional character, who would it be? Oh my God. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I'll continue the Ghibli trend and say Howl Pendragon from Howl's Moving Castle because I love him. <laughs> and then my last secret question. Um, okay. Who's your, who's your favorite Haikyuu character? Oh my god. <laughs> Kageyama. 
definitely <laughs> he's okay. he is like my son <laughs> <laughs> that's a good choice uh i'm probably between ishinoya and oikawa not that you not that oh. you asked but i was like no I I'm, no i'm curious <laughs> uh the, yeah i it's kind it's kind of a, a good foil to your choice but nonetheless when i saw those <laughs> stickers i was like I needed to ask, but <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for taking some time. Listener, please go to Webtoon and check out uh, The Princess Plot. From there, you can go to Sarah's creator profile and you can find her link tree uh, and you'll be able to see a bunch of her work. I also encourage you to check out her portfolio on her site. Uh, I really enjoyed your your little animated short that you've already <laughs> made. You. So it's, it's going to be fun for you to to add your uh, work from this year as well. But um, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. We really, really love your story and we're excited to see what you do in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If you'd ever like to have me back, if I create another comic, I would love to come and talk about it. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.